Hello there. We're Vincent Elliott McNally. Yes, the great-great-grandsons of map-making mogul, Rand McNally. We've recently released our family's first almanac in over 50 years, and now we're setting out on a new journey. Using Rand's old travel journal as our guide, we're visiting his 20 all-time favorite towns. We'll be counting down the greats as given by our great-great-grandfather and want you, the listener, to come along for the ride. In a show we call These Parts, a podcast putting towns on the map. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the final episode of These Parts. I'm Vince McNally, and with me one more time is my traveling companion, my friend, and my brother, Elliot McNally. Elliot, what a ride it's been. Vince, I cannot even contain my enthusiasm right now. I do have one small request, and I, I hope you'll be okay with it. Elliot, on this hallowed day so close to destiny... How could I refuse you? Okay, so you just did the last intro of the last show. Would you mind if we just played the last few notes of the intro song and I did an intro too, just so we could both have one? Elliot, I think that's not only a great use of our time, but also a very judicious bit of podcastery. Okay, so I'm going to play, here's just like the last bit of the theme song. Oh, nice. I like that you broke out your Casio for this. Yeah, I just want to make it sound authentic. So here it goes. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the final episode of These Parts. I am Elliot McNally, and with me, as he always is, is my brother, my friend, and my traveling companion, Vince McNally. (sighs) Wow, that felt good. Okay. Okay. We're through the intro. How many more segments do we have? Okay. I got Um, bad news, Elliot. Got a bit of a super show today. We do. We do. And listeners, I hope you're excited about that. I do want to address one thing, Vince would you mind being my hype man on a little rant here? Oh, Elliot, you know that in the little bit of downtime that we get between episodes, I like to act as sort of a hype mercenary. I rent out my services via Craigslist or whatever local posting mm-hmm. board that they have. I'm not going to say that I'm a professional. Uh, I'm a hobbyist, but I'm a passionate hobbyist. Menards hired you for that great commercial on all their sale campaigns. I think you did a great job piping that. Elliot, thanks. Uh, It was the role of a lifetime. And I think this will be maybe the second best role of a lifetime. Here's what I'm going to drop on all you listeners. A lot of people have been saying, okay, this is the final episode of these parts. What are you guys going to do? Why are you ending the show? What else do you have going on? And the truth of the matter is we don't have a lot going on. We got nothing. What about it? But we don't need to have a lot going on. No, we don't. The way I see it is we've got three seasons. And and believe me, I'm no rhetoric professional. He's not a professional rhetoric man. Although we both do have degrees in rhetoric. We do have rhetorical degrees. That's right. This is not hype, Vince. This is uh, Vince clarifying for the listener. Yeah. Okay. So back to hype, Vince. All right. I'm back. So I'm not professional by any means, but, but the way I see it, the first season we tackled the ethos. We were setting out to reinvigorate our family's name. We released our family's first almanac in over 50 years. Okay. So there's the ethos. 50 God dang years. Excuse my language. Second season. We already did the 50 states. We're doing a victory lap. We release the show. We get 100 episodes. That's just numbers, baby. That's the logo. Three digits. And then finally, we go back to our roots. We find our great-great-grandfather's travel journal, the windings and findings of the great Rand McNally. Rand! We're following in his footsteps, counting down his top 20 all-time favorite towns. There is the pathos. That's the rhetorical trifecta. We're wrapping it all up. Case closed. Elliot, 
Uh, I'm going to say that was the easiest hype job I've ever had. Thank you. And I rest my case. If we were in a court of law right now, I would rest my case right there, looking at the jury dead in the eyes. I would suggest you drop the mic. We only have the one. It's very expensive. It's also, it's our camcorder. Yeah. And so, as you know, we record this audio podcast on a video creating device. I think that's Mm -hmm. the official term, the industry term. VCD. Uh, So don't drop it. But do metaphorically drop it and kick it over to the map. We got one more map for you. And we're in a town, Vince, that I think we should put on that map. Listeners, for the last time, well, actually, legally, I can't tell you what to do with your own property once the show's over. But for the last time with us, unfurl, unfold, or unfetter, your Tab Cola presents the map. We're all part of Team Tab here on these parts, and uh, I think, thanks to you all, it's been a tabular journey across this great nation. Once you do, go ahead and take out your final medallion and place it in a little upstate New York town called Randall. With us, in spirit, for this fantabulous action, is some of our friends that we met along the way. We don't have a guest this week, but so many people we've met, Vince, on this journey called in to wish us well and to say good luck on our future endeavors and in this town. Should we play these voicemails? Elliot, nothing would make me happier. What an absolute treat. All right, let's hear him. Hey, Elliot and Vince, it's Darren Buttercut, famous author. Just wanted to congratulate you on reaching your final destination. As Abner Weechat said in the seminal novel that I wrote, Risky Dare at the County Fair, when you fly too close to the sun... The butter melts, but when that butter melts, it makes great fun on a morning muffin. Congratulations, and I'll see you on the prairie. Well, hey, boys, it's me, Craig Honk. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to call and congratulate you on reaching Rand's all-time favorite town and your finale show. Oh, gosh. Ever since I had a conversation with you boys, my life has been nothing but bright stars. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you've been having some great sleeps and look forward to talking to you again. Bye-bye. Gosh. Hello, boys. Leo Epstein here. You know, I'm just so proud of you finally making it to Rand's favorite town. Of course, going all the way to the finale. You two are wonderful. All right. Okay. Bye. What's up, Vince and Elliot? It's Babo from Bayarkanza. Just want to say congrats on reaching Rand's number one favorite town and the finale show. <coughs> Sorry, man. I've been uh, smoking on that reefer. And when I say reefer, I'm talking coral reef. From the Pacific Ocean. <coughs> anyway, congrats, guys. My Louisiana! Elliot and Vince, it's Blair Lafitiat here, and I just wanted to call to say congratulations on reaching your finale show. Ooh-wee! What a feat! I know your great-great-grandfather, Rand, would be so pleased and proud of Sweet Tea, because I am too. You made it to his number one all-time favorite town. Oh, what a town. I just want to say, if you boys ever find yourself down here again in Lafitte, Louisiana, you please look me up, because, oh, I mean, we're practically family. All right, y'all. Well, congratulations again, 
You take care and don't let the gators get you. Bye bye now, y'all. Elliot, Vince, wanted to call you and leave you a good, big, warm, sloppy slap on the behind and congratulate you for making it as far as you have. Seems to me, if I remember correctly, the place you're standing now was your father's favorite town in America. Graham was a good man. And if you knew the things that he had done there, <laughs> you uh, probably wouldn't be there right now. Anyway, uh, I'll leave you to it. Don't go fishing in the pond. Bye now. Hey, McNally boys. Uh, it's me, your friend, and, uh, I don't know, probably hero, Darren Bradley Jr., just calling because I guess congratulations are in order. Um, sorry, I'm calling from a car. I'm, I'm traveling uh, in it right now to, to somewhere. That's kind of like what you guys do, living in a, a I guess, a, a rented fourth wheel, fifth wheel, something like that. I don't know. Um, might not be super familiar with you that that somebody would drive instead of just kind of camp out in there. But um, anyway, I just figured I'd call and say congratulations on, I guess, getting to the favorite town in America or whatever. Um, yeah, anyway, good for you for, for getting up and... You know, most people get up on any given day and they hope to accomplish one thing, but I, I'm really proud of you guys for making it your life's work to accomplish something that an old syphilitic man accomplished, I guess, 50 years ago. I mean, that's really that's really daring on you. So congratulations on your bravery and um, ability to stick with something that clearly didn't work for all that long. So anyway, see ya. Hey, Elliot and Vince. Hey, it's Uncle Chet. Uh, anyway, I was just calling up. I wanted to congratulate you boys on, uh, reaching Rand's all-time favorite town and congratulations on the, on your final show. I'm just as proud of you guys as I can be. Every, we all are. All right. You guys take care. I'll talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Elliot, what a trip down memory lane. That was beautiful. And it really gave me the motivation to power through this episode, but really indulge in it as well savor it but also sort of scarf it down and that's exactly what rand was thinking when he founded this town vince you and i have never been to randall new york and that's kind of by design randall new york was founded by our great-great-grandfather rand mcnally is a town that is sort of a valhalla in the mcnally lineage every mcnally in their formative years takes a pilgrimage to this town to see their past and to add something to the McNally future. You're absolutely right. This is, it's no stretch to say, hallowed ground for the McNally family. The city gate opens only for not only McNally's, but worthy McNally's. McNally's who have done something to further the legacy of such a proud family. Uh, Much like the land in the east for J.R.R. Tolkien's universe, it also sometimes allows in other famed cartographers or geographers, sort of your Sams and Frodo's mm-hmm. of the cartography world. And today, it was, it was a very special and, dare I say, emotional morning as our RV, on its last 10 feet of gas, on its 70th replacement axle, and 114th pair of tires. We replaced them in pairs, not... Not groups of four. This is economical that way. Rumbled through the front gates, and we were given our pass for we have done with very few McNally's have ever done. That is not only create an almanac of our own, but also follow in the footsteps 
of our great-great-grandfather. There have been so many who have walked these grounds before us, Vince, and the town is really a museum to all that Rand did, and we have gotten to add to that museum with our RV, partially because it's not going to be able to move anymore and we had to leave it here, but also that was sort of like our offering to this great sacred land. It's part of the Earth now, and Mother Earth has taken it back to suckle upon her ample bosom. And I think we should suckle on... (laughs) Our first segment of the show. What do you say? Elliot, it brings me no end of joy that after all of these years, we're still finding novel ways to segue into the first segment. Me too. It's one we call Local Legends. Listeners, this might be our most famous segment. It's certainly the one that brings all of the applause and four out of five ratings on iTunes. It's called Local Legends, and it investigates the person or the people living dead, mythological or real, that make the town what it is. Who better to be our final local legend than the man himself, Rand? So, Vince, I think we should journey back to how Rand got this idea to start Randall, New York. And I think it was from all of his journeying across the United States, he sort of realized that from charting so many different towns and lands that people had almost choice paralysis. You know, he thought... I'm charting all these towns, but nobody's going anywhere. You know, the, the people that know about these towns are the people living in them. So why not make a town that incorporates everything I love and that my family can come to and appreciate? Absolutely. He styled it as sort of a charcuterie utopia, a smorgasbord of all the best things about small town America. You have, of course, your water tower, your VFW hall, mm-hmm. your town square but you also have a selection of unique things sampled from various parts of the country that make it um a living pastiche not to invoke an artistic word as you go around town especially for us it's like looking into the past i mean we've traveled around small town america and then we see these little bits of it incorporated and we think huh that's interesting rand noticed that same little thing that we did and he incorporated it in the town for instance All the houses in town, and of course nobody lives here, it's more of like a a Truman Show set, Uh, everyone has a white picket fence, just like you would see in small town America. Uh, And it's also based on Rand's early drawings of different towns. He only knew how to draw white picket fences, and so that's why they were incorporated that way. Some of the earliest homes built here in Randall are made entirely out of picket. Yeah, picket material was kind of the go-to wood at the time. It was always carved out in that straight edge with a point. Uh, It made it very hard to affix roofs to it because there's all these little triangular cutouts at the top but he thought it just made it look even more quaint absolutely uh the town church famously does not have a roof uh and it's where that children's rhyme here's the church here's the steeple look inside see all the people that's where it comes from i also like that the cross on that church is made out of picket fences they call him good neighbor jesus up there and i think that's something that we should all try to call him in our own lives uh he's really if you think about it he's like the best neighbor ever like have you ever met a neighbor that would help you mow the lawn yes have you ever met a neighbor that would die for your sins no probably not walking around town you just get that small town feel even though the only people who live here are really the curators of this place. You, you don't have the, the true citizenry 
that small town America has. But Rand wanted to preserve the things that he loved most. Vince, walking around, what are some things that you noticed? Great question, Elliot. I think one of the things that I love best is Rand's willingness to sample truly from all sorts of different parts of this country. He has always been a fan of the Atlantic boardwalks, these Mm. wharfs and sort of carnival-themed areas on the waterfronts on the East Coast. Now, of course, Randall is landlocked, but that Mm -hmm. didn't stop him. Overlooking some marshy bluffs is the Randall Boardwalk, suited with its own Randall Ferris wheel. And from here, you can take a ride on the single bucket that is affixed to the wheel. It's actually a large tractor wheel, and you can get almost seven feet in the air and get a beautiful vantage point over the rest of the town. And the reason for the one bucket was not because he ran out of budget or anything. It's just that Ferris, the guy who actually invented the Ferris wheel, had a patent on having certain amount of chairs affixed to the wheel. He had all sorts of patents. He had the two yeah. chair one, he had the three chair one, four, not five chairs. Yes, six, seven, eight, no one, nine or ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, all patented. It, it was all patented on the circle also. So Rand had to make his a triangle. It made it sort of uh, the weight distribution he thought would be better with just one chair. Yeah, so you actually it's quite nauseating. You swing really slow around the top and then you go really fast around the bottom. It's like a, you can reach one G if you're not careful. An entire G. We, we were riding on a thing. I almost threw up. But just being in this sort of like Atlantic City, Coney Island vibe in the middle of this landlocked town is proof that Rand was a visionary. He could not only chart the towns and write down his ruminations of what he thought of the towns, but he could incorporate different parts of them in his own representation of what America should be. Ali, I couldn't agree more, but I'm more curious what some of your favorite attractions out of time in Randall are. Yeah, so aside from the white picket fences, which I think are just nostalgic, you know, and then, of course, the boardwalk, which is sort of like a tourist hotspot, if you will. There's also the things that people just flock to small town America for because it's it's precisely American. I, I couldn't say it any other way. For instance, there's just little geographical features and architectural features like the cobblestone streets. Rand flew in cobblestones from every single town in America. Famously, Boston uh, had several lawsuits against Rand because he was stealing cobblestones from their streets. He was uh, styled, self-styled, as one of the greatest cobble thieves in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's a distinction that many families would allow to sully their name, but we wear it with pride, don't we, Elliot? We do. And this happened just like everything in Randall, New York. It was a passion project that he did over years. People would think through the years of, what was it, 1905 to 1909, why is he taking so many trips to the Boston area? What is he doing? Every single time, he would steal one cobblestone. It took him the better part of a lifetime to finance through thievery enough cobblement to supply the entire town. But the result has been something that really hasn't been seen elsewhere in the world. A uh, mosaic of different cobbles from all over the country. I I think this is just a testament to what Rand did. I mean, a lot of people will point to famous families like the Roosevelts, the Kennedys, the Rockefellers, these titans of industry and sometimes war that crafted this country. But Rand was a different breed. He saw what the country was, and he decided to 
preserve it. He did, and that's where the theme of curation really comes to a head here in Randall. Uh, not only is it a place where things are preserved, but it's also where people are preserved. We're talking about local legends, so it only makes sense that we mention the fact that most McNallys of significant enough stature are required by family bylaws to do a tour of duty, serving as a steward of the town. Uh, it's not for very long, it's not a prison sentence, but for several years you stand stationed as Chief McNally here in town. And Elliot, I'd love to hear your opinions on the current Chief McNally here in Randall. Chief McNally right now is our Uncle Peter, and he uh, actually was pretty well suited for the job. He worked the graveyard shift at a graveyard. He was the guy that would stand next to the little bells on tombstones to make sure that the person wasn't actually alive. And so he is actually stationed outside. It's sort of macabre if you think about it, because Vince and I already have our own mausoleum built here. And that's kind of at the entrance of the cemetery. Yeah, it's not macabre at all if you know the first thing about our family. Uh, the first thing that you get for your first birthday is a mausoleum. And it's been true going all the way back to the McNallys of Europe before we were even an American family. And, um, you know, I think it's kind of beautiful because uh, just like they say in The Lion King, uh, it's the circle of life. Peter's main job, however, is, although he's in charge of keeping that prepared, uh, in case Vince and I die randomly, he, he's always sort of like lurking behind us around town just, just in case we die so he can put us in the mausoleum very fresh. But his, his main duty is looking after Rand. Uh, Rand decided to be cryogenically frozen. However, back then, his idea of cryogenic freezing and, and the general medical community opinions at large was that you could pack up each different part of your body and put a few bags of ice in a cooler with it and that would preserve you there were some interesting ideas about medical science in the past elliot so peter his main job is to just like replenish the ice on all of Rand mcnally's different body parts sort of a prototypical cryogenicism and um as someone who's visited that memorial frequently, I'll tell you firsthand, it did not work. That's neither here nor there, though. Uh, you talked about Peter. Peter is a great steward. He is a little more Poean, a little more uh, grotesque, mm -hmm. gothic than most of the people in our family. Peter, if you're listening, lots of love to you. You've done a great job here in Randall. The town is really, you know, from what we've heard, go doing well. It's, uh, it's thriving under your tutelage, but... Uh, I want to talk about one of my favorite McNallys from the past, and this was uh, Jan McNally. Oh, so Jan. that's our great grand aunt, and she oversaw it in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. What did you like about Jan? What didn't I like about Jan, Elliot? Uh, she brought Randall into the 21st century, even though it was still the 20th century when this was going on. Talk about forward thinking. Absolutely. She tried all sorts of things that would like imitate what she believed would be the future because what she didn't want is for randall to fall behind the times to be this sort of pitiful town gathering dust legacy lost to the ages so she attempted to preempt many fads here in the town yeah you know people think of museums as like stuffy but the but the new class of people think of museums as like an interactive cool experience that you want to go to and you know like drink on a wednesday night or something i don't know 
But what kind of things did Jan curate and bring to Randall, New York? Then? So she foresaw many trends. Um, one would be bell-bottom jeans. Now, mm. she didn't actually do bell-bottoms, though. She did uh, what they call siren bottoms. She got it a little bit wrong. So these are like very cylindrical, blunted at the bottom. The whole, the it's more like a skirt or a kilt, and the jeans are red instead of blue. Very rigid. Mm, and very loud, because there is um, a speaker box in the buttock that says, Danger, danger, the Soviets are attacking. However, this eventually paved the way for those light-up sneakers. So, you know, a lot of people might call her crazy, just like people called Rand McNally crazy. But... She was actually at the forefront of something she didn't even know existed. Absolutely. Uh, the history is littered with things that Jan almost predicted. Instead of the pet rock, she had the pet rat, which was kind of just like a normal pet that people already had. But it was mm -hmm. only a few letters off. But she put Google eyes on the rat. Yeah, so it had like four eyes, which is really funny. And she put the eyes on the butt, so it looked like the tail was like a big nose. Uh, pretty cool. She also invented the internet. She called it the <laughs> inner, the inner net, and it was a net that was on the inside of your pants. Uh, it was really, it wasn't super useful, another pants-based invention, but it did pave the way for those swimming trunks that have sort of like a mesh undies in it so mm -hmm. that your balls don't slash all around. Very uncomfortable, but very practical. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, she was a visionary, but Elliot, before we move on, maybe we should talk about the biggest visionary of them all, our great-great-granddad. Rand, he had some crazy ideas about the way to preserve his body towards the end of his life, but up until then, he was just full of amazing ideas, one of which was creating this town. Where else are you going to find a town that is dedicated to one man and one lineage of a family? Um, nowhere else, Elliot. I can answer that definitively. Yeah, the only other place I can think of is, uh, you know, in the 90s, Sylvester Stallone tried to start Stallone, Virginia, but that didn't really work out. We should not dig up that old feud, Elliot. Not on a day like today. Not on such a yeah. proud and happy day. Between the McNallys, the Stallones, and the Van Dams, it, there has been kind of a blood feud going for the, for the last several years. Rand was not was not fond of Italian immigrants or any other sort of immigrants. He wanted to preserve this country for America. But that's neither here nor there. If you weren't from the northeast shore of Ireland, well, mm -hmm. we don't need to go into yeah. it. Those those were, you know, America's golden boys. Everyone loved those immigrants. I don't know if I'm remembering it exactly the same way. It's neither here nor is it there. But Vince, do you know what else is not here nor there, but actually right down the road from where we're recording right now? Elliot, I've got this weird sixth sense where I start uh, anti-salivating. My mouth dries up as if I've been stranded in the desert for many days. And it signifies to me that you're going to talk about some sort of weird vegan bullshit. You know, this has been sort of like a boy who cried wolf scenario for the last 119 episodes we've done. But I can guarantee that you and I both love the restaurant that I visited this week because it's the one restaurant in town and Rand made sure that incorporated everything we loved. Let's talk about that in our segment, Elliot's Eats. <laughs> Listeners, Elliot's Eats is my foray 
into the culinary culture of whatever town we visit. Of course, you probably have a copy of Chew on This, Elliot McNally's Food Guide to Small Town America, perhaps one that I signed or made Vince sign with my name. Yeah, um, we're still undergoing a very extensive investigation by the Better Business Bureau for name signing fraud, which I guess is a thing. But, you know, there were so many, at least I told you, there were so many copies flying off the shelves that we had to sign all of these. Um, I'm still trying to sell them. Our lawyers tell me that it's very fortuitous that I signed mine smelly at McNally because <laughs> it does not constitute fraud in most states. I thought that I'd thrown out all of those and made you re-sign them. Maybe I didn't. Okay, so maybe don't pay attention to that, page listeners, but pay attention to the amazing food that we have eaten, perhaps together if you visited the towns that we visited over the past few years. This town of Randall, New York, has but one restaurant, but it is possibly the greatest homage to our family. It is called the Rand McNally Super Good Time Family Cafe. Super Good Time Family Cafe, a Rand McNally establishment. Yeah, so aside from the Menards commercials, you also did the commercial for this restaurant, which I think you did a great job. Thanks. I originally sang it when I was only seven years old. And it's been a staple of our family for so long. We were so excited to actually visit this restaurant. It's one of these restaurants that has a sprawling menu. It's anything you could ever want. So even Vince could eat something. Even I if you can believe it, could eat something. And it has a different meal named after so many different members of our family. And Vince and I each got to contribute a meal. Absolutely. This is part of the the rite of passage for the newly admitted McNally's. Once you're given passage into the city, one of the first things you do is you add a page to the menu. Mm -hmm. It's a very sprawling menu now. And I'm proud to say that we each have a meal in it. Elliot, I'll tell mine first, because this is your segment, and you should have the last word when it comes to food. Okay, please do. I'm, I'm excited to hear what you added, because I obviously wasn't able to eat it. Yeah, mine's called the Vincenson. Vin- the Vincenson, uh, it's a play on the word venison. Oh, mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to have a lot of regrets about this being the one meal that I get to add. Yeah, this will be on the menu for you know the rest of time. I should have really not just gone with the first one that I thought of. Maybe just like the Vince sandwich or something. I don't know. Just off the top of my head. Oof, that's actually pretty good. Do you think that if I went back, mm, but they have... they etch it into pewter they etch it into pewter menu they they laminate the pewter as well so i don't think that's going anywhere oh man well i better stick with this then it's called a vincison and it is a steer steak it's mule deer imported from alabama and uh served very well done with curry ketchup and a single olive pitted i mean even though i couldn't eat this it looked like something out of chef's table the chef de cuisine here francois mcnally he married into our family Um, but he can just create anything you want. So he's getting McNally's from all over coming here, crafting literally whatever they want on their menu item. And Vince has these requests and he just makes them. It's, it's incredible. He really is a maestro. Um, ah, that's an Italian word. He probably would not be super thrilled. Um, (laughs) he's le greatest in le world and, uh, he, his genius knows no bounds. He, prepared it in such a way that it was burned but not blackened you could still taste the gaminess of the mule deer and you know that's what i was going for for some reason i was again thinking of it like a really good hoagie would have been better because i don't actually care 
for olives or curry ketchup or for actually for mule deer steaks either. Uh, so I might have made a foible, Elliot. This might mm-hmm. have been a foible. But you know what? I bet you did a much better job. I can guarantee I did. And what I wanted to do with my menu item is pay homage to my veganism, but also pay homage and compliment our great-great-grandfather Rand's menu item. So what he has is a sandwich called the Big Mac. And again, this is this has been involved in several lawsuits over the years, believe us. But I, I think we have kind of claim to the name i don't know is there another clarified this for me elliot because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of you know this isn't my sphere de force is there like another property that owns big map or or, or is trying to to say that they own big mac i don't know i think there's like a couple brothers that started a burger restaurant that said they have claim to the name but i i don't believe oh it. is it like is it the Macintoshes, like the computer guys? Yeah, I think they made computers, but like the laptop closes like a sandwich. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. No, yeah, that's yeah, so, that's probably it. I mean, we've been in, in legal battles with them for so long, but I think anyone who comes to town and tastes this sandwich will agree that this is the superior Big Mac. Rand decided to source meat from every single state and every single animal in the entire United States. So the sandwich is 15 feet high. You've got bison from Wyoming. You've got pigs from Iowa. You've got alligators from Florida. I mean, anything you can name it is on the sandwich. You've got pigs from Maine. You've got pigs from New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Nevada, pigs. Washington State, pigs. But he wanted it to be, you know, Pangea of flavors. All these disparate animals coming together. Uh, and they all tastes so different i'm told you had to be sort of my pinch taster on this one yeah i cut a very very thin sliver uh my doctor has been pretty adamant about eating fewer pig based foods in the name of valhalla i had to give it a try and Mm -hmm. i have to say it was it was great it was really very good and tall now you famously i will say or infamously did not try my menu item you refused to but I still want to make it a compliment to Rand's Big Mac. I called it Soylent. Another unique name created by us for the first time. This one is called Soylent, S-O-I-L-E-N-T. I sourced soil from every state in the United States and put it together in, you know, those dirt and worms cups with uh, Oreo cookies and, and worms. Gummy yeah, it's all I ate from the ages of seven to nine. Yeah, so this is kind of like that, but there are no worms in it, and it's just soil. You've got your red pack clay from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. You've got your shan- sand shale from Texas. You've got some basalt from up in Minnesota. This amazing medley of flavors. And again, you did not try Is it. Is basalt salty? I don't think so. I don't know what, what I was tasting that was salty in this. Um, maybe salt. I'm not sure. It is a mineral. Oh, that makes really good sense. Uh, yeah, I also didn't taste it because it is uh, literally a bucket of dirt. But again, this thing is like chef's table to the extreme. Uh, everyone who contributes a menu item at the family restaurant is in charge of sourcing all that menu item. So from now until we're dead in that mausoleum, Vince, I, I don't know if you know this or if I clarified this, if anyone comes to town and orders that menu item, you are put on the spot to source all the, the food for it. Francois is just going to cook it. So you have to get everything. Y- so it's you are, right? You are on the hook for the for the Soylent? Yes. 
uh, I'm going to have to source soil from everywhere. You're going to have to source venison if someone, for some reason, orders your uh, meal. I actually got a pretty, pretty easy. I just have to get in touch with my black market mule deer dealer and send a few steak cutlets up. Easy as pie. Yeah, and I didn't actually see any pie on the menu. You'd think that, you know... Uh, Randall at New York is as American as apple pie, but that must have slipped Rand's mind. No one wants to be the one that has to do pie as an obligation. Yeah, that's, that's why there's only the one burger, and it's like an inedible heap of many animal carcasses. Some of the pigs are the whole carcass. That's why it's so high. Yeah, it's like many luau's stacked atop one another. But some of the pigs still have the apple in their mouth, so it, you get like that other side of the food pyramid too, which which I thought was a great nod to people of my own ilk. Oh, see, that's where Macintosh is probably pretty mad at. <laughs> yeah, because the their whole logo and it's the pig is eating it, and yeah, I'm I'm still thinking that we're we're winning this lawsuit hands down. Easy easiest win of our lives and we need it well i say we move on to another win one we can always count on and it's one that has guided us through this third season of the show it's called random thoughts listeners random thoughts is our opportunity to read rand's ideations ruminations and pontifications about every single favorite town or is he like to call them think-em-ups mm-hmm. i'm not crazy about that for all of the prestigious nomenclature that our great-great-grandfather employed, think-em-ups? Yeah, hmm. not the best. Think-em-ups. But let's see what he what he thought him up in his journal for his all-time favorite town, Vince. And then we're going to hear from one of you, the listeners. Yes, listeners. Uh, it's been a wild ride. And let me take this opportunity to say thank you for everyone who's ever written into the show and for everyone who joined us on this new journey in season three to listen to what our own great-great-grandfather had to say about these towns. This town, it was one that was close to his heart, obviously, for all of his many accolades until he founded it himself. He had never begun a town of his own. And that all changed with the foundation of Randall. Elliot, I think you, for the last time, will crack open the hermetically sealed, maybe in loose use of the term now, mm -hmm. journal and read what Rand wrote. All right, Vince, um, I'm going to crack this one open. And when you say for the last time, you do mean for the last time. It's written in here explicitly, I think. Maybe I made it up. I, I don't really feel like going back and paging through that we would burn this journal when we're done with it. Yes, uh, Rand was a firm believer in the tenet that if you can't remember something after reading it once, you don't deserve to reference it a second time. Now, this is where me and my great-great-granddad divorce a bit in philosophy, since I'm a known fichophile. I'm all about reading things many times. Yes, that's very true. We've heard about it many, many times. So I think we should just read this once and get to burning. I already have a, an assortment of lighters out, and then we can return its ashes from whence it came. Yeah, I like the... I like the one that looks like um, Jerry Garcia giving a thumbs up, but its thumb is the flame. Yeah, it's like he's smoking a doobie. I have this one. It's actually a HBO-sponsored Game of Thrones one where it's um, the little dragon breathes fire. Oh, yeah. I like that one. I like that but one. You can use that one, but I, I'm, I'm excited. We'll, we'll kind of like Lady and the Tramp burn it from both sides <laughs> when we're done perfect. reading it. Yeah, perfect. So let's see what he said uh, about Randall, New York, his all-time favorite town. And whoa. 
Vince, this is like a pop-up book. Wow, it was like origami spring-loaded to explode into life three-dimensionally as soon as we open the last page. It's going to be such a bummer to burn this thing. <laughs> it's so intricately made. But, you know, so he, here is basically what Rand thought of when he thought of this town. And here, here's the little triangular Ferris wheel. Here's the picket fence church. Okay, and here, here's some some notes of things that he wishes he would have been able to incorporate in town. There, there's some little uh, plots of land here in Randall, New York that aren't quite established yet. And so it's the job of each McNally to follow to incorporate something else to the town. So here's one. He says, wouldn't it be cool if like there was a big garage to house all of my automobiles? Yeah. All right. Yes. It would be cool. They have that now. They have it. Um, Rand, during the time that he lived, only had a few automobiles. Yeah. So don't think this is like Jay Leno's garage. It's like four cars. But he was like the Jay Leno at the time. Nobody else had more than four cars. That's right. Most nations didn't have four cars. All right. Well, the next cool thing he's got written down here, it, it says, and, and we're reading it verbatim. Mm -hmm. So excuse the parlance of the times. Wouldn't it be... Totally the nards if like if you wanted to smoke outside you could do it and if you wanted to smoke inside you could do it too. Okay, so that's kind of like incorporated in in the restaurant, for instance, there's smoking sections in different people's homes, there's even smoking sections. He's he's delineated different red lines, much like you'd see it an out-of-date airport where you can smoke and then not smoke. Yeah, and if you if you piece together the red lines, it leaves only one tiny sliver of non-smoking area in the town. <laughs> so sort of like a tessellation of red lines throughout the entirety of the town. Uh, there's like one little spot beneath a tree in the one park that you can't smoke at. You have to remember that our relative Jan, maybe she wanted to invoke some new trends, but... Part of having Randall, New York, is to preserve the memories, the wants and needs of our great-great-grandfather. And if he wants to smoke, then we're going to let people smoke. Who am I to argue, Elliot? Why don't we light up one of our great-great-granddad's favorite cigarettes in honor of him right now? I'm just going to rip out one of the papers of the book and roll roll this myself. Ooh, great idea. Do the one, do the one about the cult town. Oh, great. Yeah, that one sucked anyway. Oh, that's hermetic. Got the hermeticism on it. And I got, I got a buzz going, and I I want to get to burn in this book. That's the ink buzz. Okay, so how about uh, you light up your lighter, I'll light up this Jerry Garcia one, and on the count of three, we will burn it and return the ashes to the ether of Randall, New York. I love it. Elliot, let's open a window. Can't have the sprinkler system go off. All right, one, two, three. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, did, did you see some ghosts come out of the book? Yeah, did you see, like, the screaming face of a pharaoh? I definitely saw that. I was cursed in that town. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense wow. now. Huh. Yeah, so I hope we didn't release, like, a bunch of demons into the world. I also wish that we hadn't have burned that book. That was probably, like, a priceless family heirloom. Why did the ashes settle into glyphs that <laughs> if you squint... Spell the word, word McNally Namicon. Huh. I'm just going to leave that there, and we could ignore that. I don't think we have a choice, because I'm trying to kick it with my foot, and then sort of like 
time and space bends to reassemble the ashes in the way that they've fallen. Yeah, it's like going from unpixelized to a very crisp image right now. It's kind of hypnotizing. But I, I think that we should do our best to ignore it and read our final listener question of the entire series, Vince. Absolutely. You, listener, have written us, well, over 300 letters, at least, in our time here on the show. And I would say most of them were pretty bad. But occasionally, there was like a halfway decent one. In the, some of you have criticized us saying that our selection process for the letters is, you know, not up to snuff. I disagree. I think snuff is overrated. And I think we do a great job picking Elliot. And I think you've done a great job picking this last one. I think so, too. And congratulations to George Bremerton. You finally did it. You made it on these parts. You can die happy now. Um, I think as a special little token, Vince and I have carved out a little section, a very small section of our mausoleum for you. Yeah, the Bremerton family in its entirety will have to fit in about the size of a jewelry box. Yes. So I hope you all believe in cremation. Uh, let, let's see what George had to say. This one comes all the way from Walla Walla, Washington, out to New York. He goes, Dear Vince and Elliot, I'm so happy that you made it to Rand's all-time favorite town, Randall, New York. Is this the town from the movie Deliverance? Oh, wait, actually, there's a couple line breaks, and he says, gotcha, I know it is. <laughs> oh, so I guess man. He, I don't really want to correct him. I, I, I'd like to just leave him in a state of ignorant bliss. The Bremerton clan has been writing in. It was George Sr. before him, and now it's George. And they wrote in every single show, and usually it was some inane garbage, like, oh, I heard this really cool fact about how the president was once in this town, and... Sign an important bit of legislature, blah, blah, blah. Finally, he's got a halfway decent letter, so we think. We take it out, we read it, and it's not really a question. Nope. It's, again, a proclamation. He does actually have a question on the other side, though. Should I read it? Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Bremerton, you sly dog. Tried to two-for-one us. So he says, uh, all that aside, aside from Rand, do you two have a favorite McNally relative? Now, this is a great question, actually, aside from his idiocy on the first part of this letter. To clarify for one final time, no, Deliverance was shot, filmed, and set in the American South, and this is in New York State. So Mm -hmm. we don't remember what town it is actually in, but it's not this one, and it never has been. I'm glad we have that in audio on the books. Not Rand's book, because we burned it, but just uh, a recitation that no, Deliverance was not filmed here. But Vince and I both do have our favorite McNally relative aside from Rand. We are all on a set of playing cards, actually, that we can trade. And I know that Vince and I, you have your favorite relative's rookie card, and I have mine. Absolutely. Uh, If you are the investing type out there, cash in Apple. Go ahead and cash in Microsoft. Buy some Topps brand McNally trading cards. There's a real map on the back of every card. It's very tiny. Yeah, it's they're not the normal playing card size. They're sort of like a half condom size. Size of a half condom. Some of them do have half condoms inside of them. It was a promotion with Durex and Trojan that we ran for a while. Mm, that's, yeah, in ill-fated 70s marketing. Um, but, Elliot, we are avid collectors. We have many rare cards. Yeah. And... Uh, Almost all of them are near mint. My favorite of all time is it's a rookie card from Sebastian 
De La McNally. Ooh, this one is mint. It's actually printed on mint leaf paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can't open it, otherwise some of the smell particles will get out, yep. and it'll tank the value. Yeah, it's in the Mylar little sack. Now, Sebastian De La McNally is famous because he actually found the Fountain of Youth, so they say. Wow, was that located in Randall, New York? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. It was located in... Uh, Unfortunately, Toronto, Canada. Oh, just right over the border. Yeah, so we can't actually access it. And the Canadians use it to power their universal health care system. Rand famously would not chart Canada. Uh, he, Even though Montreal and Toronto, I mean, they're so close, but no maps of the McNally family have Canada on them. Uh, it's because of the War of 1812. Uh, yeah. Rand was a patriot. And even though we've buried that proverbial hatchet, I'm a fan of Canada and Canadians. Our great-great-grandfather never did. Now, what I love about the Sebastian de la McNally card is that he's a little baby on it. It's like a little, it's like a f- little mm-hmm. fat baby, but he's got like, he's got that musketeer's hat with a big feather on it, and it's slumped over his face, and you can mm-hmm. only see one of his little eyes, and he's got a, he looks like he's got a mean look, because he's grumpy because of the hat that's way too big for him. I think it's really cute. And I think if we go back to Jesus, which seems to be the main theme of this episode, possibly the podcast, I don't know. The Jesus rookie card would be the baby Jesus in the manger. And so Sebastian's card kind of takes its... Yeah, Elliot, you're always trying to highlight the Christ-like motifs and the <laughs> things that I say. Sometimes I appreciate it. But maybe this time you could just let Sebastian speak for himself and and not bring up the Lord. Oh, and he actually does have a little speech bubble. The little baby has a speech bubble on the card. Mm-hmm. And it says "goo goo gaga" because <laughs> I'm. I mean, that's what babies. It's all babies yeah. can say. It just makes sense. My favorite card, and I have it right here, is from one Bertram Reginald McNally. He was the ad man of our family. That he was. He was. Sort of a maverick. Yeah, that's true. He was an ad man. He was a madman. He actually did go a little crazy later in his life. Um, Too many lead cigars. Yes, he would smoke lead cigars. Um, And this kind of contributed to no clients wanting to work with him. He famously, to this day, only has one client, and that is the Rand McNally Corporation. Also, he does pro bono work for Map the Map app, the app that's a map. Map the Map app, the app that's a map. We've got sort of a bit of nostalgia. Call it an homage, but we've got... A featured feature. Now, of course, the app has been long since recalled. You can't buy it anymore. But Nobody has told Bertram this. He is still marketing for it. So we don't want to break the news. Nor the development team that's slaving away in Tuskegee, Tennessee. So what's this week's, for the last time, Elliot, featured feature? The featured feature this week, and again, you cannot get this in the App Store anymore. It's actually been banned from the App Store is you know how they have force touch now on the new iPhones? It's like if you press with a certain force, the lighter or the harder you press, it does different things on the phone. Oh, yeah, it's got sort of a feedback system. Yeah, so if you force touch, it is supposed to zoom in on the map. However, it actually deletes all of the data on your phone and sends your social security number to any hacker that has ever tried to hack into your phone. Yep, that's true. We know that because we tried it and we got hacked. I think that... Uh, Bertram has done a great job for marketing the McNally family. Uh, it was his idea to create this great partnership we have with Tab Cola. It was his idea, and I think his enduring legacy will be hashtag Team Tab. And if you're a member of Team Tab, go ahead and hit the tab button 10 times on Twitter. That's how we'll know that you're with us. Don't bother doing hashtag Team Tab. 
That's hashtag two days ago. This time we're all hitting tab for tab. Vince, I want to join you on what I know is your favorite segment. Elliot, it sure as heck is. It's called The Weekly Where's Vince. Listeners, we've got one more week, and that means one more chance for me to explore the neighborhoods of the towns that we stay in. Usually, I hole up in one neighborhood, but that just wasn't enough this time around. I took a tour of all the little towns within the little town that's everywhere at once, Randall, New York. And like many of you know, uh, towns throughout this great nation are obsessed with putting little in front of the name of somewhere big and having that be a neighborhood within the town. So like Little Italy. Yeah, Little Canada. Well, we don't do that here. No, no, no. Of course not. But here in Randall, uh, they've taken it to, I would say, a bit of an extreme. So are are these neighborhoods actually little? Have they downsized neighborhoods? They sure have. Uh, The neighborhoods are so small that they're usually one building apiece. And sometimes... A building can be multiple neighborhoods. Are they miniature size? No, they're normal size. They're just the jurisdiction of the neighborhoods is very narrow. Okay, so I I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is a reaction to Rand thinking that small town America might not be as walkable as like a big city. Like in New York, you're walking and you're in one neighborhood, you're in the next, you're in the next. He wanted this town to feel the same way. Absolutely. It was to the point where I once tripped and fell And I stumbled through four neighborhoods. That's the four corners of Randall, New York. You can stand in four neighborhoods at once. Yep, you can stand in little New Mexico, little Utah, little Colorado, or little Arizona. But I'm assuming the trip in the fall probably wasn't your favorite part. What was your favorite neighborhood? My favorite neighborhood was, of course, little New York. Within little New York, there's a neighborhood called little Randall. And within (laughs) little Randall, there's a neighborhood called little, little New York. And within that, we're now in the one building. There's a neighborhood called Little Little Randall. So th- now within these are same- what? Oh, okay, uh, no, sorry. I'm not done. And so then, when you go inside the building, you go into the living room, and that's Little 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 New York. Now, if you go over to the TV stand and stand behind the lamp, then you're in Little 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 Randall. Are you done? Yeah, that's it. So this is kind of like a Marushka neighborhood. Yes, it's a nesting recursive neighborhood within Randall. I've heard that someone actually has to push you off a table into a bucket of water to like suck you out of the neighborhoods once you've gone in too deep. I affixed a rope around my waist as I traveled in. (laughs) I had a team of psychics that was standing outside the house ready to yank me back. Uh, But not everyone can have that sort of of poltergeistian preparation. And so, yeah, they have a a bucket of water on hand to splash you back to reality. (laughs) It's really interesting, though. It allows you to see the way that a place sees the way that the world sees it seeing itself in the way that it sees other people seeing it. I think I understand. Yeah, it's pretty easy to follow. It's a pretty easy to follow concept, I would say, intuitive. But um, I loved it because when I got there, I got to have a shirt and the shirt said, I went to little, little, little Randall and all I got was this. Then there's a picture of the shirt, and it said, I went to little, little, little Randall, and all I got was, and then there's a, it goes on like that. You can, the imagination can carry you through the rest of it. What I like so much about this neighborhood is the history of it and what spawned Rand to do this. He wanted like an Ellis Island port of entry for immigrants and for other people who wanted to check out the town. Absolutely. Now, where Ellis Island is actually a port. Uh, on an island, little, little, little Randall is sort of like a portal 
to a void of cognitive dissonance. When, once you get into the neighborhood, because Vince, you allowed me to use your rope and venture into it, there is just a book on a, a table in a white room, and it's uh, Jean Baudrillard's Simulacra and Simulacrum. Yeah, it's sort of like an impossible wrinkle in time. It exists where it, it can't. And then if you open the book, it's you can see yourself closing the book. Yeah, it's it's deeply unsettling. Rand later in his life was a big follower of Ramdas and astral projection, uh, and that's why we're kind of handing the mantle of most popular podcast in the world over to Pete Holmes once we're done with the show. So, Elliot, that's what I loved about this town, and I think it kind of serves as a nice send off because. The thing about a neighborhood is that it's the small town of a small town. It's like where things get so personal that everybody knows your name. And in Little, Little, Little Randall, you are the only person that could exist in that space. And so, of course, you know your own name. Or do you? Do names even exist? These are the type of mental hurdles you have to go through in order to get to the headspace that is Little, Little, Little Randall. And it's the sort of hurdles that you have to go through every day in the small town struggles across this great nation. Well, let's talk about some of those physical hurdles in physical places around Randall, New York, in our next segment, At Long Lat. Elliot, if you listen really closely, you can hear the sound of tomatoes hitting car stereos <laughs> and iPhone speakers across the country. Yeah, so... Please, listeners, take your rotten tomatoes, get them away from your electronic equipment. We know that a lot of people are going to say, well, this is ending the podcast on the worst possible note. And I would disagree. We're not playing any horrible dissonant music right now. The notes of my and Vince's voices are, are as a matter of fact, very mellifluous and very easy to listen to. And I think that no matter what segment we're doing, it's going to be a great one. Well, I mean, we did make the choice to definitely not end on it we're doing did you know oh yeah yeah i mean this is supposed yeah, to be a, a roller coaster we're gonna do the shitty segment and then we're gonna do the really good one this is sort of the embankment where they never really got the coaster quite right and it's like kind of you know, it's jostling yeah. you're like rumbling that it's not quite right you think it might go off the rails yeah you look down the teenagers smoking pot and there, there's some jostling going on road is happening one of the rails fell off but he knows what he's doing. My seatbelt jostled off. He knows what he's doing. Let's just say that. And I think we know what we're doing in this segment because we've done it so many times when it's appropriate. And that's the key, listeners. When it's appropriate, Randall, New York is a very appropriate place, thank you, for At Long Last. We are known geography heads, and we love, maybe even though our listeners don't always, to study where in space a town lies and why it's important. Maybe it's a geographical feature. Maybe it's a geological feature. Maybe it's a mixture of the two. That's what At Long Lat's always been about. And that's why we said we needed to redeem it for this final show. Notice how we're not doing hall monikers because that one fucking blows. There are some depths that even we won't go to. Yeah, we want to make this episode actually palatable and easy to listen to. So At Long Lat we thought was great. Vince, as I said, we are leaving our RV here is kind of a token of our appreciation of Randall, New York. Something else that all McNally's do is add to a couple amazing edifices that Rand started but was not able to finish in his lifetime. And of course, I'm talking about the Shane Grand Law and the Taj McNally. Much like the statue of Crazy Horse has been under construction 
in South Dakotan lands for many decades, so too has these two monuments to Rand's greatness mm -hmm. been underwork for the better part of several centuries. Now, unlike the monument of Crazy Horse, this isn't a racist affront to the nation's first people. This is an homage to our great-great-grandfather. He started this building uh, in his pop-up journal. We could have referenced this if we didn't burn it. Uh, these were beautiful marble structures. Unfortunately, at his uh, point in time when he was creating this, enough marble didn't exist, nor does it still exist to create these. So as a token, a gesture, uh, call it our frankincense or myrrh, to use another biblical reference, we or any McNally relative is supposed to bring a slab of marble to add to one of these structures. Absolutely. I think one of my favorite fan fiction styles, you and I as the two wise men operating <laughs> under conspiracy theory that the third wise man never existed. Uh, and we bring the gifts of marble and marble. Mm -hmm. Elliot, where did you get your marble from? I got my marble from a little town in Wisconsin because I knew that Rand would want locally sourced American marble. What about you, Vince? Mm, yours, sounds yours sounds better. I think I misunderstood the task. I got mine from Marbles, Inc. in the Jonestown Mall. You got a sack it's, of marbles. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and I got novelty Jonestown Monopoly. Oh, that's fun. Maybe you could use, maybe the box could sort of be like a load-bearing box on one of the walls of the Shangran Lodge. Let's, let's give it a try. The marbles, though, I think that's going to be a hindrance. I mean, unless some, some of the doors need like a ball-bearing structure, which maybe they do. I don't know. I don't know anything about building. We're map makers, not architects. Yeah, we, we deal in, in the two-dimensional planes, charting the three-dimensional, not the other way around. I couldn't have said it better myself, even though we do have degrees in architecture mm -hmm. and globe making from Loyola University but you know I, I think it's the thought that counts and we brought our little token here uh, and I think that whoever comes next is going to do the same and maybe in a millennia the Shane Grand Law and the Taj McNally will be complete uh, Vince what is a place of note that you liked in Randall New York I'm going to go ahead and say a meta answer mm. forgive me oh that's okay I mean, you, you spent a lot of time in little, little, little Randall, and so <laughs> I know that your brain is sort of discombobulated right now. Yeah, it's sort of thinking on multiple planes at once, but what I love about Randall is not one specific place, it's where it's placed. Mm. It's placed on a very specific longitudinal and latitudinal ley line. Mm. I feel like such an amateur, I didn't even look up the longitude and latitude of the town. Yep. It's one each. I mean, it's one. It's one longitude and one latitude. The number one. This is where, this it's is like the nexus one. of the globe. That's right. Now, it's no longer that if you look at the international globes because we have to play politics with the other countries of the world. Yep. East Germany didn't want us to have one. Well, it had to settle for several hundred. Rand wanted to start this thing where he recharted Randall, New York at 1-1. Is this correct? That's right. So on all, I'm assuming, let, let me just cross-reference here, on all McNally maps, it is 1-1. And that's why all the international date lines and everything are all messed up. That's right. Uh, if you look at the old maps from the times of its foundation, you'll notice it looks like one of those old crusader maps where Jerusalem is in the middle and then all of Christendom 
spreads out vents from. Yeah, Rand wanted Rand New York to be like the Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He called it the cradle of maps. What I like, though, is a literal cradle of maps that's in town. Uh, and this is this is the kicker, folks. Uh, it is the Grand Canyon. And this is a big pit that Rand dug. And you can find all of his previous maps, uh, his some of his failures, some of his successes. It's like in that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where there are just crates upon crates in a dungeon underground. But you can also kind of see them because it's a dug-up pit. We ventured into the Grand Canyon here in Randall, and we forged out a couple of souvenirs for ourselves, Elliot. We each have a map, mm-hmm. an early map of Rand's writing, and... Um, we're taking it home as souvenirs. That's permitted here. Which one did you choose, Elliot? I chose this one where Rand was kind of in a Henry David Thoreau, John Muir phase. He started to not believe in trails or towns anymore. And this is just kind of a, a piece of paper with scribbly lines. And he did draw Walden Pond on there, but he also just has uh, question marks and just says, what does it all mean? It's just nature. Nobody owns this land. Very sort of beatnik and existential. Yeah. I can't say I'm a fan of it, but it does suit your tastes, Elliot. <laughs> I chose a controversial map. Uh, this was in the time where people were really lashing out against the Mercator projection. Mm. Uh, for, among other things, it's grandiose representations of Australia and Greenland, Greenland specifically, uh, Rand, not one to follow in the footsteps of a trend, steered into it, and he created a projection called Greenland Prime, <laughs> where Greenland is 90% of the map. Uh, this this is really interesting. We see where Rand's artisanal pop-up skill set came from, because, let me just reach over here, you can actually fold out more of Greenland on this map. Yeah, you can create quite an impressive three-dimensional Greenland if you you have to squint really hard to see the rest of the continent. But that's what Rand is all about. He's about pushing boundaries. You say Greenland's too big, he says, let's quadruple the size. And I think that wraps up this segment, listeners, and I think that you'll agree that this was worth it because of this little deep-seated Easter egg Vince and I took these as souvenirs, and what is that? That's a no gifts, ands, or buts. It's a callback. We seeded a segment within another segment so that that first segment didn't suck. It was calculated from the very beginning, listeners. Mm -hmm. We've been working on that one-two punch play since Moines, Iowa. There were so many segments that we tried to seat in. I mean, like... We tried to do a Where's Vince within an Elliot's Eats. We could never agree on what that would be. We tried to do uh He Said, She Said with a Wouldn't You Like to Know in it. That made no sense. We tried to do a Friend or Falk within a You Can't Do That Here, but it turns out it was against the rules of the town to double segment in the town. So it was sort of like a nexus of fate. I'm getting all turned around again. It was crazy. It was crazy. And I think that we successfully did it on our last show where it was meant to be let's leave it at that and let's go up the roller coaster a little bit more i guess the fun part is going down so are we going down the roller yeah, coaster? yeah so this now? is we just did go up it okay so now we're back this is the home stretch okay and that stretch is one we call did you know elliot for the sake of posterity for one day we too will be comprised within a fish could you run that segue back one more time and up the inflection to 11? I will. <clears throat> and that segment is one we call... 
Uh, did you know? <laughs> Pristine. Stately. Magisterial. I kind of want to go back and edit that segue into every single one of our previous shows. Listeners, if something doesn't sound weird, that means we have done that. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like on those new versions of The Wizard of Oz where they've punched up the color so much where it's too vibrant to look at. That's what I want for every segue into Did You Know throughout our entire anthology. We want you to develop a dependency on quaaludes. <laughs> yeah, like you're just so, from hearing you're it. so psyched from Did You Know that you needed that. Exactly. Elliot, because you did such a great segue, maybe you should do our first Did You Know fact too. I will. Vince, did you know that Randall, New York, spawned a series of action figures. I, of course, do know this, but I'm excited to hear you talk about it. So, of course, we have our baseball cards. We have our maps. We have so much memorabilia from the McNally family. But something that you and I contributed at at a young age, actually, were McNally action figures. These, uh, again, here, I'm taking some out now. Um, They are... In their packages, they are not meant to be played with, but they we took so much time in the details of each individual figure. Uh, here, here's Rand's right now. Do you want to describe it? Yeah, uh, so Rand has many, obviously. This yeah. is uh, Mint Edition 3 Rand, mm-hmm. and then it's in Randex, which is kind of like, it's like span. It's, you know, at the time, it was a lot of different Lycra-based materials. Yeah. Didn't know which one was going to take off, and this one was called Randex. Uh, and it's it was recalled from Mattel, the, the the company that produced it, because it had a very visible bulge in the buttocks region. It was just one bulge, you know. People. It was a single buttock. Yeah, they didn't care about that. They were getting too many questions from children of why he only had one butt. Yeah, it would have been better if you could see both of the cheeks. Yeah. but it was one really prominent butt, and um, it looked unnatural. But their losses are game because this can go for dozens of dollars mm-hmm. on the secondary eBay market. Yeah, and and that was kind of our fault. You know, we couldn't agree on how to make Rand's butt. We worked with a lot of different uh, craftsmen and sculptors, and we just said, let's leave it a blank slate. Let's let people imagine the butt. And that kind of backfired on us. It did. We wanted, in the end, we couldn't agree. And the man, the the person who was fabricating it said, well, then we shall split the buttocks in twain and you can each have a buttock. And at the same time, we both yelled out, no, leave the buttock hole. Let him have it his way. And then sagely, the fabricator nodded and said, you you are both the owner of the buttocks. And even though that was kind of a, a faux pas, I think we made up for it in the uh, super team ice skater rand and this one was released with the uh george clooney joel schumacher batman and robin film Mm. so rand has like the cool ice armor and he has like little nipples on on the icy nips um so i think this was a huge hit one of my favorites uh but i will never forget when we did a series of four rand dolls called teenage mutant ninja randalls and uh he is all of them he's all of the turtles and they all have different rand faces obviously mm-hmm. and then instead of pizza he's eating just 15 foot burger <laughs> yeah on the package it says posable burger action um there is a limited edition uh donatello that we made into john mercator because he was the nerd and nobody liked him yeah so you can get that on some black markets like comic-con and stuff he's got a tattoo on his butt that says i heart greenland <laughs> really a lark yeah elliot i didn't know that but did you know that here in Randall, 
there is no need for a police or fire department. I was wondering where any protection was coming from. So why is this the case, Vince? Because the U.S. National Guard protects this town from all natural disasters as an ongoing favor to the McNally family. Wow. So I think I've heard about this, actually. They've gone so far as to divert help from other ongoing disasters just to help maintain Randall, New York, like even if nothing's going on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely has gotten us in a lot of trouble many times. But it's not all our doing. The national government insists upon it because long ago, in 1877, when our great-great-grandfather was still a relatively young man, he did a favor for the U.S. government that they weren't soon going to forget. What would that be? He stole back the Constitution from a Constitution thief. Was it Nicholas Cage? It was Nicholas Cage's great-great-granddad. Dastardly Nicholas Cage the first. Super Senior. Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Cage Super Senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, it's, it's not a well-known fact that National Treasure is a biopic. Yeah. But it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he stole the Constitution... Back then, it was really easy. They didn't have to do the whole heist. He walked into the building where the Constitution was. He walked out with it. Yeah, he just he slapped Thomas Jefferson across the face and just took it. Well, Jefferson was wheezing mm-hmm. in embarrassment on the floor. He just rolled it up and put it in his satchel, and off he went. Rant, uh, incensed by this crime against history, rode him down over the course of several months chased through the Appalachian Mountains. At long last, he pushed Nicholas Cage Super Sr. into a ravine and snatched the Declaration of Independence just as it was about to float away. It was a very shallow ravine. He only fell maybe, you know, five inches, but it was enough to incapacitate him enough for Rand to steal it back. He wasn't an agile man, which is why he couldn't (laughs) heist it. He had to just walk in and slap one of the Founding Fathers. Wow, I mean... Such a riveting moment in history, and it's a reason why Randall is preserved the way it is, and that we're why we're visiting it in its state that it is, Vince. I didn't know that. But did you know that Randall, New York, is investing in the children's future? It's really, it's like a very vague, did you know, Elliot? It is. I don't even know if I knew it. You might. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to take some of your, your meta-ness from you to incorporate it into my intricate did you knows. Uh, Rand was obviously very concerned and very willing to help all children of America succeed. He came from a very meager means, and he built an empire. That he did, Elliot. Tell me more. Right now, it's very demode for kids to go to coding camps to learn all they can about technology, to compete with China, to compete with nations overseas, even to compete with each other to work for companies in Silicon Valley. What Rand instituted was a way to stop that. Randall, New York has an institute for kids who have gone to these coding camps to come and unlearn everything that they learned there and to put all of their efforts into cartography. Rand once said that America didn't become the great nation that it is because of learning new things. Got there because of learning old things. And then forgetting them and then learning them again later on. And maybe doing that progression one more time. (laughs) That's the entirety of the quote. Uh, And I think it's genius. I didn't know this, Elliot. I didn't know this about my great-great-granddad, but I'm glad that I did. Mm -hmm. What a service to provide to the children of this nation. At any point right now, you can walk into the Rand McNally Cartography Institute of America, and you can see dozens of children hooked up to those clockwork orange devices where their eyes are being held open 
And instead of learning about code and stuff, they they are posited with pictures of Satan, satanic imagery next to computers. Uh, they have that like green text from the Matrix, and that sort of is making them forget everything that they learn. Some might call it draconian. I call it. Um... It's not that necessary. I call it a different thing. It's necessary. Mm, no, I wouldn't. I would not call it that either. Scary. Maybe. Maybe a little. I mean, they are scared. They're visibly scared. I don't know why their parents would send them. Most of them are just McNally children. They are. Yeah, that that's very true. Uh, sometimes McNally children are sent to these coding camps run by Google or Facebook just so they can be sent to Rand's camp. Just prove like, hey, look at how useful this thing is. Oh, wait, no, actually, it's not useful at all. Let's unlearn. Yeah, that happened to us. Yeah, it happened to us, and we're fine. We came out all right. Yeah, I'd say so. Wouldn't you say so, listeners? Tell us. Tell us we're good. And Vince, maybe you should tell us our next Did You Know fact. Gladly. Did you know it's illegal for the people of Randall, New York, to vote for president? So is this sort of like a Washington, D.C. type thing? It's exactly that way. It's exactly that way, Elliot. Because Randall holds such a steam in the government and the governmental processes of America, it's considered untoward for them to vote for the highest office commander-in-chief. So it's sort of like we have such a sway. We're like our own super PAC, the McNallys. We could alone, much like, I don't know, the, the Mormon church, decide the election if we wanted to. Absolutely. And because the latitude and longitude are all fricked up and we're at 1-1 one, one here... We would be voting like way many time zones ahead of everyone else. Mm -hmm. So the person that we voted for would get what they call the McNally bump. Mm -hmm. And it's how James Carter was voted president. And that didn't really go so well. And so ever since then, you know, it's Ixnay on the McNally maze voting phase. I don't know what that means. I think Nixon came up with it. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, another McNally vote, I might add. But I think what's interesting is that because of the time zones and because of daylight savings, Sometimes the McNallys would be voting for a candidate that didn't even exist yet, maybe wasn't even born. And then sometimes they were voting in the past. And so it got all messed up and we just decided, hey, let's bow out of this race, this dog and pony show. It was for the best. I think most humiliatingly, we once voted for Spiro Agnew after his regime had already crumbled around him. Yeah, that actually uh, one of Rand's cryogenically frozen hands that was hacked off has a little voting ballot with Spiro Agnew written on it and a check mark drawn on it. Everlasting monument to our shame. That was in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he did that. It's crazy. There must be something with the international date lines or the time zones that allowed for him to do that posthumously. I, I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, and I didn't know that, Vince. But did you know Randall, New York has its own Independence Day? Elliot, I didn't know that. What do you mean? Of course, the town we visited last week, Rand's second all-time favorite town, was Rand's foray into his own nation. Is that correct? Absolutely, it was. So he wanted to preserve this sentiment. Although Randall, New York is part of America, he wanted his own Independence Day. However, that date doesn't really exist because of a misprint in some calendars he made. He, he tried to get into the calendar-making business as well. He once famously said, calendars are just maps for time. Yeah, I mean, so why not do calendars? Uh, unfortunately, he had 13 months. The 13th was called Smornjuary. <laughs> and Randall, New York's Independence Day, sort of its coronation day, is maybe a, a better nomenclature for it, is Smornjuary 46th. Now, Gregorian <laughs> scholars have looked into this, and it is actually uh, November 3rd. 
but Rand denounced the Gregorian calendar, much like the Appalachian Hill people. Yeah, our family can't really decide where it stands on Christianity. No. It's, it's hot and it's cold. Yeah. But, you know, people uh, in the Appalachian country, they celebrate Old Christmas and New Christmas. You know, that that's the shift in the calendar. And it's very hard to calculate that shift in Randall, New York from... You know, November 3rd to Schmorjuary 46th. But we do our best and we try to make this an engaging environment for people. And so it, it, we, we just treat it like every day is Schmorjuary 46th. Christmas and Schmorjuary. That's what we call it. <laughs> and Vince, can I say that this entire experience, this entire episode has been a little slice of Schmorjuary? It has been. And I dare say, Elliot, if you'll allow me, that this entire adventure that we've been on has been just one helping of smorjuary after another. We got our final slice of it again. We had the ethos, right, hype man? We got the ethos. We got the logo. It's the logos. Don't forget about it. And coming in hot, tear jerkingly, steamingly hot is the pathos, and that's going to pay off right now. That's a steamy jerk, and that's a segment that we call "Wish You Were Here." So, listeners, "Wish You Were Here" is our farewell. To the town that we visit. And this time, it's a farewell to you all. It is a letter from us to our family, to Rand, and to our greater family, our family of listeners, about the adventure that we've been on. And, Elliot, before we get into it, I just have to say, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure, Vince. I am left speechless. It's going to be hard to do this, but thankfully, I preserved one page of Rand's journal, and it's a letter that he wrote to our entire family. What better way to sign off these parts forever than to read his words to us? It's still wreathed in flames, but refusing to burn. Yeah, it keeps like reincorporating itself somehow throughout space-time. I don't know how this is happening, but it makes it a very easy and pleasurable read. It does, Elliot. Why don't you start us off? Rand says, Dear McNally family, wish you were here in Randall, New York. It's a town that I hope all my descendants will pass through one day. If not to remember me, then to gain inspiration on where to go next. Because of this memoriam of McNally is proof of anything. It is that a town is a state of mind, not a point drawn on a map. However, please do not spread the word about this, as for our company to retain prominence in the cartographical world, we desperately need the sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps one day long after I am gone... A couple of my great-great-grandchildren will be inspired to do something truly amazing once more with the McNally name, as I have spent my life doing. Maybe it will be something incredibly unique, not like just rehashing a bunch of stuff I've already seen and done for their own personal benefit or experience or some bullshit. Mm. Huh. Whoever these intrepid youngsters are, I would love to meet them. And God willing, with the amount of money I've poured into cryogenics and longevity supplements, that day will surely come. We hope it does, Rand. Me too, Rand. Until then, farewell, farewell from, from these parts, parts to yours. yours.